0: Well, good morning, Hope. For those who don't know me, my name is Matt Leahy. I'm a church planner for a small church all the way over in St. John's in a province called Newfoundland in Canada. And I'm super excited to be recording this message for you today. I know over the last three weeks you've had some wonderful speakers. You've had Stephen Brown and Kate Rodwell and John Mansfield. And Hope, I want you to know just how honored I am to have this privilege to preach this message for you and for you to hear it on this last Sunday in November. And before I go any further, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you to the leadership uh, for this opportunity. But Hope, you need to know something. You have supported us in our calling to church plants since the day that you sent us out in 2018. And from my heart to yours, we are forever thankful for your service, for your sacrifice, and just for your willingness to step out into an area where honestly more churches should be stepping out into. So good on you for seeing the importance of being a church that plants churches, that plants churches. Now, yes, we are 16,000 kilometers away from you, but my church plant is your church plant. What we're doing is because of your investment in us. And so I just wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so in keeping in line with Missions Month, I thought it would be good to talk about church planting but not like why you should start a church or uh, I'm not gonna give you a 10 step plan on how you begin a church. No, I wanna talk about the importance of keeping your eyes on Christ as you church plant. And I'm talking uh, everyone from the church planter himself right down to the sound guy who, who volunteers his time every Sunday to just get the sound ready. Because here's the reality, as exciting as church planting is, it's tough it's physically it's mentally emotionally and spiritually demanding and if christ isn't at the at the forefront of of where you're looking as you plant churches if your eyes are not fixed on him and i'm talking daily if your eyes aren't daily fixed on christ then you're going to run the risk of finding uh rest provision and protection in all the wrong places And, and so just in full disclosure, yes, my message has church planters in mind, but the truths uh, are equally applicable to anyone who is sitting here watching this message. Because let's face it, we're all on a journey. Church planting is a journey, but we all run the risks of finding in others what we should be finding in Christ. Amen? So, if you have your Bibles with you or your phones or whatever you use to to read the word, go ahead and open up to Psalm 23. I'll give you a moment to get there, but again, we're going to read and I'm going to preach from Psalm 23. I'll give you just a moment. Listen to what David says of the good shepherd in Psalm 23. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, overflows only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live now as we dive into psalm 23 I want us to see that this psalm it's all about the journey it's about the journey that the good shepherd is bringing his flock on and and that's and honestly Hope, that's the space that I want to focus on today. I want to focus on the journey that the Good Shepherd brings his flock on. Because everything that you see in Psalm 23, no doubt you will encounter in life. And especially as a core team or a planting team as you head out to plant churches. You know, back in, in 2019, when, when we began our journey, we felt like nothing could stop us from planting KCC. Uh, morale was up. We were energized. We were excited. We had grand visions for the future. And we we still do, not saying we don't. But then 2020 happened. COVID took over the world. Like you want to talk about what do we do now? Man, there wasn't a day that went by in 2020 where I didn't ask that or I wasn't praying to the Lord. Lord, what do we do now? I mean, no one has ever written a book uh, about how to church plant in a pandemic. There are no blueprints for the mandatory lockdowns or the vaccination passports that we had to work through. There were no blueprints for vaccine mandates, and then added to all of that, the theological questions we had to wrestle with: with do we gather? Do we do we meet here? We can't meet there. What do we like? It was a mind trip to work through these theological questions. And yet, if I'm going to be honest, on paper, KCC should have folded. Kilbride Community Church, my church plant should have closed i mean i watched other larger churches shut their doors but yet ours grew and i can't help but think about the the time period that god chose to start laying the foundation for kcc right so i'm a millennial now i I wish i I could have been part of gen x i'm I'm so glad that i'm not part of gen z Uh, but there's actually this small subset of of millennials called the Exennials. and that's where I am. I'm an Xennial. I'm in that subset, that subcategory, and these are the people who, who grew up with an analog childhood and a digital adulthood. These are the kids who actually knew what it was like to play outside, like literally outside, and yet we knew what it was like to live during the dot-com boom and with the advent of the internet and all that kind of good stuff. And KCC is kind of like that. Yeah, we, we grew up pre-COVID, or sorry, we laid our foundations pre-COVID, and then COVID happened, and we learned how to pivot and go online and become all digital in the middle of COVID. And so we, we had the luxury to see it from both sides. So when I say it's been a journey, yeah, it, it has really been a journey. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, uh, but Psalm 23 is, is written by a guy named David, uh, and he's writing it from the perspective of a sheep as it's being led by the Good Shepherd. Yeah, so that's, that's important, hold on to that. David, he's writing metaphorically about his life and what it's been like to be led by the Good Shepherd, led to the green pastures, beside the still waters, through the darkest valleys, in the presence of his enemies and everything in between. And the conclusion that David comes to as, as, as you come to the end of, of Psalm 23 is this, that truly God is the better provider, he's the better protector, and he's the better place of rest. And, and I got to preach this to myself every single day, because if I let myself slip, I can easily convince myself that for me and my flock, that I am the better provider, that I am the better place of rest, and that I am the best protector of my flock. And actually, hope if you're taking notes and you want to follow along with where I'm going, uh, I've got a good old three-point sermon here. Uh, three points. Here it is. The first point, the good shepherd provides for his flock. Yeah? The good shepherd provides for his flock. Secondly, the good shepherd protects his flock. The good shepherd protects his flock. And third, the good shepherd prepares a place of rest for his walk and so as we do this church if there's anything I want you to take away into this week if there's anything I want you to have at the forefront of your mind as you leave church today and go and do life for the next six days seven days it's this whether you're a church planter or a pastor or a visitor you got to keep your eyes on Christ in everything as you as you do this thing called life you got to preach to yourself that Jesus is the true provider. Jesus is your true protector. And Jesus will always and forever be your true place of rest. Yeah? I would say give me a thumbs up, but I I can't see you, so I'm going to assume that we're all good. So let's do this. Here's here's the first point. Uh, The good shepherd provides for his flock. Look at verse 1. David says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd and and just straight up, I wanna say David here in verse one, he says something that's so, so key that we have to just bury down deep into our hearts. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, right? For David, this, this once shepherd boy turned king, for him to say the Lord is my shepherd is for him to admit, and this is so key, that he is a sheep and that as a sheep, he needs guidance and leadership. And let me just say as a church planter, Amen, amen. You know, when we had our first service back in uh, in uh, 2021, Psalm 23 was actually the first sermon I preached for our little church plant, and I wanted to remind KCC and myself that, like David, we are his church, we are his bride, and we are his to lead. Yeah, we are his to lead. And I also wanted to remind us that Jesus, as our shepherd, he decides where he is going to lead us and how he is going to lead us and when he is going to lead us. And this is why David can say in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, because ultimately he understands, no, he knows that God is better at shepherding him than he is at shepherding himself. And yet so much, it's so much more than simply simply knowing. It's not so much like you're, you have this intellectual assent that, that God is the good shepherd because David had that. But David also had a lifetime of experience. When he came face to face with Goliath, God was there. When he was with Bathsheba, God was there. When he was on the run from Saul, God was there. When he was being gunned down and chased by his own son, Absalom. God was there. And God saw him through all of it. Well, maybe not with Bathsheba, although God did send a prophet to convict him and tell him that he was in serious sin. So yes, in, in all of those examples, God was there. This is why he could say, you, Lord, are my shepherd. You alone lead me. You alone guide me. You alone did have and will continue to provide all that I need because David is a man, a shepherd, a sheep who is completely and utterly dependent on God and God alone. So much so that David knew where he had to go to find true rest and true peace. Check it out. Look what he writes in verse 2. He says, he says of the good shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In uh, in January 2011, my wife and I, we got married in beautiful Harvey Bay up on the Fraser Coast. It was my first time in Australia. It was fantastic. The heat was disgusting. The humidity was just awful. My Canadian body just, it had a hard time coping with the heat. But it was beautiful. The beachside, uh, where we were going to get, where we were to get married, was beautiful. Uh, we had it all planned out, and on the rehearsal the night before we got married, the skies opened up and the rain fell. I have I have never seen rainfall like that in my life. I mean, we can all remember back to 2011, the CBD was flooded. There were the inland tsunamis out in Toowoomba, and and yeah, like if I take what I witnessed and compare it to the still waters that David talks about. That wasn't still water. But what a lot of people didn't realize, especially here in Canada, is just how much the previous 15 years of drought played into the amount of flooding that happened all over Southeast Queensland. And during this time, uh, for many farmers, it was impossible for them to drive their flocks or their cattle uh, out to green pastures because there was none. There was none. I, I still remember seeing videos and, and news broadcasts uh, and reports on the internet of, of like trains of water trucks being shipped out to drought-stricken areas. But th- this was the same thing for ancient Israel, and in fact, still many parts of the world today. Drought, just, it happens. But from the shepherd's perspective, there were times when the journey was difficult. There were times when resources were scarce and where the green pastures were really, really, really far away, but the imagery that David is using here, and we can't overlook this, it's this. When he talks about being laid down in green pastures and and led beside still waters, he's talking about refreshment and rest. Refreshment and rest. And and we all love this idea of being refreshed and rested in the Lord, but sometimes, church, sometimes you got to go through the arid, desolate wastelands to get to it. I mean, life isn't easy, Contrary to what many people think, this isn't our best life now. This side of eternity, we will battle with sin. We will come face to face with evil. We will find ourselves in the arid, desolate wastelands in search of water. But the point that David is getting at is this. It's the Lord, Jesus, the Good Shepherd. He always, always provides his flock places of rest. Now, ultimately... Jesus is going to be our true rest and true peace, but don't overlook this. I've said this before, but we're all on a journey until the day we meet him face to face. As a planter, I get beaten down. As a pastor, it's exhausting wrestling and confronting my own sin, but then I've got to walk other people through dealing and battling with their own sin. As a church planter, sometimes it feels like you're in this never-ending wasteland, and this is why it's so important to keep your eyes on Christ. But this is why David also says, and don't miss this, pastures, plural, waters, plural. This isn't a one-time thing. As you do life, the shepherd is always on the move with his flock. If you listen to his voice, as David promises in Psalm 23, he will lead you to places of rest, true and everlasting rest will only come from Christ. He's the only one who will renew your life. He's the only one that can provide you with living water that never dries. He's the only one who will ever lead you down right paths for your good, his glory and his name's sake. This is why David says what he does. You lead me along the right paths for your name's sake. And this is so important, yeah? This is so important as a church planter, as, as a sheep, because it's so easy to wander and, and go down paths for my glory, for my fame, and my reputation. And, and here's the thing, because Satan hates the church, because he hates what it proclaims, because he hates church planting, because he hates church planters, he will do everything he can to derail, discourage, and disrupt your walk with God and your calling and stepping out in obedience to him. And he does this because he knows the condition of our hearts. He knows the propensity for us to give in to sin. Because we, like sheep, can easily go astray. That's that's Isaiah 53. And trust me when I say this. When the congregation starts increasing, oh. <laughs> it's easy to say, that's all me. When the comments and the accolades come through because you've preached a great sermon, it's easy to believe, that's all me. And when you're breaking down cultural barriers and seeing people freed from addictions and sin, it's very easy to say, that's all me. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word, because it's not about us. It never is. It's always about the Lord Jesus, right? Satan can very easily lead you down a wrong path and make you think it is about us, but it's not. It's not. It's about his fame, his renown, his glory, and his majesty. The paths that Christ leads you down, the path that Christ leads his flock down, is a path of revelation. It's a path of rest. It's a path of salvation. It's a path of safety, and it's always for his glory and his name. Now, now, the path may be difficult. No, the path will be difficult. It will be marked with seasons of pain, discouragement, frustration. Church planting is not easy. It's not easy standing firm in the gospel in a broken and sinful world. But the good shepherd, church, you got to bury this down. He will always provide for us. He will always Bring us to places of rest, even, even if he has to bring you through the darkest valleys to get there. And that's my second point. The good shepherd protects his flock. Look with me at at verse 4. Check out what David says. He, He says, even when I go through the darkest valley, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You know, let me, let me just say, in, in speaking of my calling and my context into church planting, uh, church planting isn't for the faint of heart. It's a long road full of disappointments and unmet expectations, discouragement, pain, fear, loneliness, opposition, suffering, persecution, Uh, doubting and second-guessing. And if I'm gonna be honest with you, Hope, if I'm gonna be brutally honest, since moving back to church plant, uh, it has felt like I have walked through some very dark valleys, uh, maybe monthly. Um, So just for example, you know, we've been falsely accused. Uh, We've been protested against. We've been targeted by the LGBT community. I have been personally threatened, verbally abused by neighbors, gossiped about, and targeted on social media. KCC was investigated by our local government. We almost lost our meeting space and our children. Our three children were belittled and berated and insulted by grown adults. All because I'm a pastor and a church planner. And yet in more ways than one, verse four has been an anchor for my soul. Philip Keller, uh, in his book called uh, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, uh, I would highly recommend you check out that book. It's a fantastic resource to just unpack what David is writing here in, in Psalm 23. He describes, uh, Philip Keller describes the journey that a shepherd sometimes has to go on to get to the green pastures. And sometimes, quite literally, he's got to go through dark valleys. Yeah? He's got to go through dark valleys where there are all sorts of dangers, like bears and and, and lions and Wolves and and maybe even uh, flock sheep stealers, right? But these are places that the sheep would quite literally feel like they're walking in the valley of the shadow of death. But it's through these valleys that a shepherd would literally bring his flock to to get to the greener pastures and higher elevation. And in fact, that's a great reminder because sometimes God actually brings us through dark valleys on purpose. And I know that might be uncomfortable to to think about and and to to process, but it's actually true. Sometimes the, 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 the pain you're going through in life or the trials and tribulations that you're going through in life, you know, we all like to say, oh, that's Satan or that's demonic or, you know, that's just bad luck. But sometimes it's actually God bringing you on a journey so that you would cast your eyes upon him, so that you would trust in him, so that you would constantly be looking to Him. And I love how Keller puts it in his book again. He says, As Christians, we will sooner or later discover that it is in these valleys where we find true refreshment from God Himself. If it's not until we have walked with Him through some very deep troubles that we discover uh, He can lead us to find our refreshment in Him right there in the midst of difficulty. And i got to tell you, I got to tell you, for all of the arid and desolate places that I have been in the last four years, I have found some amazing moments of refreshment and rest, even in the darkness. But don't lose sight of this. Don't, Don't lose sight of what David is saying in verse four. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd with his rod and his staff protect and comfort and guide his flock and hope as you step out and discern God's will to be a church that plants churches or you're sitting here today on this Sunday thinking or feeling like you know what maybe God is calling me into church planting you gotta bury that you gotta make it a foundation as you walk out to do church planting because with the rod the shepherd would defend his flock from danger and with the staff he would use it to guide it down the path that he wants them to go And just think about that for a second. Just think about that, right? Because Christ will not only never leave you, He won't, but He also fights for you and He defends you in every valley. He's always praying for us. He's always advocating on our behalf to the Father. He's always mediating on our behalf and interceding on our behalf. He sends His Spirit to lead us and guide us, to convict us of sin But bring it back to scripture for a second now. Feel free to write this passage down, but Psalm 139, it's, it's a personal favorite of mine. Again, listen to what David says about the Lord. He is always with us. There's nowhere we can go where we can escape his presence. He says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light all around will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day and darkness and light are light to you. And this is why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. As you go through the dark valleys, he says... I am with you. Don't don't look to the left. Don't don't look to the right. Keep your eyes fixated and focused on me. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. It may seem dark out there. It may seem like you're being pressed in from all sides, but church, sheep, my flock, look at me. I will lead you. I will guide you and I will comfort you. Keep your eyes on me because I am preparing a place of rest for you. And that hope is my third point. If you're taking notes, again, feel free to write this down. The good shepherd prepares a place of rest for his flock. Almost done here. Listen to what David says in, uh, in verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You know, the the longer that I am a church planner pastor, the more I'm starting to see the truth of verse 5. Like I said earlier, church planning is messy. Sometimes it feels like you're right smack dab in the middle of a war, and honestly, that's a pretty good analogy. Not only do you war against your own sin, but in a lot of ways, you are helping others war against theirs. And whether you want to admit it or not, Satan is on a war path trying ever so desperately to destroy the church. Now we know that his time is short. We know the war has been won. There are little battles and skirmishes along the way. We know that the gates of hell won't overcome the church, but we cannot ignore the fact that war and the enemy are all around us. And I think that's a very healthy reminder for anyone. If you're feeling the call into church planning, keep a reminder that you're stepping out into enemy occupied territory, if only temporarily. But I believe that the idea David's getting at here in verse 5 and 6 is this. God is saying, hey, my sheep, you have just come through some extremely dark valleys. And yes, the enemy is all around you. But I love you. And I don't care who knows. In In the presence of our enemies, Jesus, our good shepherd, prepares a table and anoints our head with oil. And this this whole imagery of being anointed with oil, it's not this weird, mysterious, magical thing. The cup overflowing and the anointing of oil is quite simply, it's this beautiful expression of the shepherd's joy and love for his flock. Now, Now, yes, there are some very real legitimate reasons why a shepherd in real life would anoint a sheep's head with oil. It was... You know, this, it was both therapeutic and defensive because, you know, sheep would have, you know, flies and gnats and all kinds of nasty trying to get up their nose and into their eyes. And uh, it was gross. And so the oil would help them ward off these, uh, these bugs. But the anointing of the head was also a sign of his loving compassion for his flock. Right? The good shepherd understands their plight. The good shepherd understands their weaknesses the good shepherd understands their vulnerabilities. And in the presence of their enemies, he throws open wide his arms and he surrounds them with his presence and he showers them with protection and rejoices that they are his. And as he does this, oh, as he does this, the good shepherd is also saying to the enemies, when you didn't, I did. When you won't, I will. When you couldn't, I can. I cared for them. I did what was best for them. I led them. I guided them. I gave them rest and I stayed with them even as you pursued them in the darkest valleys. And I did this because of my unending love for them. And because of that, they will know who they can trust. They will know whose voice to follow, whose rod and staff comforts them. They will know who will lead them to green pastures and beside still waters. They will know the peace And the rest that you could never, ever provide. They trust me. I am their true provider. I am their true protector. And I am their true place of rest. And then the question really comes down to is, is he? Do you believe this? Is he the place where you go to be fed, to find protection and for rest? Or are you looking for rest, provision, and protection from the things of the world that will only ever give you a false sense of security and hope. So, hope. Where do we go from here? I've just spent the last you know, 25 minutes or so walking us through Psalm 23. Well, if you remember at the beginning, I said, as you walk out into uh, life this week, I want you to, to do so with your eyes on Christ, knowing that he is your true provider. He is your true protector and he is your true place of rest. And like I said, whether you're a church planter or a pastor, or you've just rocked up this Sunday morning and you're sat down looking for a message, the truths of Psalm 23 are relevant to each and every one of us, church planter or not. Because tragically, we are sheep and church planter, you will pastor sheep. And sheep can do some really dumb things, they they really can But thanks be to God that we have a Savior that not only leaves the 99 to go look for that one sheep, but like Hebrews reminds us, we have a Savior who is victorious, never sinned, and can completely sympathize and empathize with our every weakness. And that's just the thing. That's just the thing. Like sheep, we are weak. We are vulnerable. We are easily frightened. Because let me tell you, As a church planner, you have to constantly wrestle with the fact that as much as you are a shepherd, that you're an under-shepherd to the good shepherd, you are still a sheep in need of the good shepherd. You need him. We all need him. We all need to stop and listen when he says, Come, come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So, Church, church planner, pastor, visitor. Are you hurting? Go to him and find comfort. Are you scared? Go to him and find safety. Are you thirsty? Go to him and drink from living waters. Are you beaten and bruised? Go to him and be loved on and cared for. Are you wandering around the desolate wastelands of life, looking for life? Then go to him and know that he provides abundant life. Are you walking in the darkness? Then know that he has overcome the darkness. Is the enemy chirping you all around you? Then go to him and let him prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Because he says, come to me and you will dwell in my house forever. This is what it means to constantly cast your eyes on Christ in every situation. Because out there, it's not a walk in the park, but out there is where he is. And it's out there where he will lead you. As you are on the journey, whether you're in the green pasture or you're, you're walking uh, through the, the valley of the shadow of death or you're anywhere in between, he is with you. He is leading you, and He is guiding you. He will provide you with the food you need to be fed with. He will provide you the protection that you need to feel safe. He will provide you with the rest that the world cannot. And so, as I end off this message, and as you end off Missions Month this month, and you're discerning what the Lord is calling you to do, let me leave you with this. If if Matthew 28, verse 20, the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations finishes off with, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he always will be. As you step out, Psalm 23 is what that looks like. Whether you're church planting or not, whether you're in the green pastures, you're drinking from the still waters, you're in the wastelands, or you're in the valley of the shadow of death, or the dark valleys, or before your enemies, he is with you. He is leading you, and he is guiding you. So run to him, and know what it means to find true peace, true protection, and true rest. Thank you, Hope. I love you. Can't wait to see you again. I pray for you always. Amen.